you're an early stage Web3 founder, apply to our award-winning accelerator program, Basecamp at outlierventures.io slash Basecamp. We write your first $50,000 check and give you access to 200 mentors, including many of the leading Web3 founders, and a network of 1,000 of the world's leading investors and exchanges. We've helped over 30 startups from 15 countries from all around the world raise $130 million in growth funding and can help you fast track product market fit and where relevant, the launch of your token economy. Great. So today I'm really happy to welcome Vivek Prasanand, co-founder and uh, executive director of Pokedex. Welcome, Vivek. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me here. So Polkadex is a fully decentralized peer-to-peer order book for the Substrate DeFi ecosystem. So there's several reasons why I've got you on the show. Firstly, you are our latest investment, actually our second Indian investment, and that seems to be a really big trend. I'm seeing lots more talent come out of the Indian ecosystem for, for DeFi, and I think you're a great example of that. Um, you are also a serial entrepreneur. And, you know, clearly there is tremendous growth happening within the DEX space, both in terms of volume. I think it's just surpassed 50 billion last month, which is a 20x annual growth on the previous year. But within that, uh, there's a lot of feeling that it's still very heavily constrained by a number of things, including, you know, liquidity, liquidity risks, high fees now at an all time high um, uh, for for provenance, we are kind of first week of March 2021, um, but also things like inefficient settlement, poor UX, and, and all these things that kind of just make it harder for the full spectrum of investor and trader to, to, to access DeFi. So there's a really good argument that it, it's got a long way to go before it can go prime time. And of course, this is uh, something that you seek to address with uh, with Polkadex. And I think also there's a huge amount of excitement as to what's going on in the Polkadot ecosystem. I know there are now several funds that are almost exclusively investing in that space. Um, and a number of exchanges uh, are themselves kind of, you know, directly um, looking to, to kind of get in on the space. So there's lots for us to talk about there. And so this is at the top end, you know, you are a co-founder, I think three of you, right? Three co-founders. That's right. Yes. Three of us. Um, and, um, you know, you yourself are a serial entrepreneur, you know, beginning, I guess, towards the, 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 the latter part of the dot-com boom. So, you know, you've seen several technology cycles yourself and you've been an entrepreneur in in pretty much all of them. Um, so I think it's going to be great to kind of get and hear about your journey as a founder. So maybe we start there. Um, so it'd be great to kind of hear from you, you know, your journey into DeFi, and then we can kind of begin to explore, you know, what you think is broken or incomplete about the DEX ecosystem today. Okay, thanks, Jamie, for that uh, brief uh, intro. Well, I'm uh, Vivek, you know, I've uh, basically, I'm a systems engineer. I started out my career as, uh, you know, uh, you know, starting out my first company back 20 years ago. Uh, I was into IT consulting space for about, uh, you know, 15 years before I uh, diversified into uh, building products. Uh, you know, so uh, 
I think the, the most part I have been involved in, um, you know, I've been very excited about, uh, you know, solving problems, um, mostly in the engineering space. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's uh, back in 2013, that's very, it's a very accidental uh, encounter with Bitcoin, with one of my friends, uh, you know, introducing me. And, uh, you know, so I was, uh, uh, you know, stumbled upon the, the concept of Bitcoin and the white paper, and it was really exciting. Uh, so that's that's when the whole journey started. So since coming from an engineering background, I could grasp many of the uh, you know fundamentals of Bitcoin, and I was really captivated by it. And that's how the whole uh, journey began. Um, and since uh, those days were uh, like the uh, you know the wild west of uh, you know the crypto uh, uh, cyberpunks, uh, you know, used to group together. Uh, in, in a forum called Bitcoin Talk. And, uh, you know, I, I used to be a regular visitor trying to figure out how, what things are going. And, you know, so for fascination, I used to try and uh, get some, you know, uh, uh, mining machines as hobby and try and see how, how things are working. So I kept this interest long, you know, while I was also uh, working on my other things, like my primary, uh, you know, uh, businesses, like mostly into, uh, uh, you know, not only IT consulting, but also tried to, uh, I was also involved in a couple of uh, startups in the FinTech space. Uh, one of them was about a fee payment uh, channel uh, called Enfee and uh, also a, a banking software. Uh, so it was about the time I really got bored with uh, servicing, service firm because uh, it, uh, you, know, uh, you reach a point in your uh, business life where you get uh, you 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 seek for more creativity and seek for more uh, challenge in solving problems, and that's the time about the same time that I started building products that I came across Bitcoin. So that was pretty much a good setup for me to uh, try and figure out the uh, you know uh, engineering behind it and go behind the uh, entire uh, uh, you know whole nine yards. So uh, so since I was a regular visitor in uh, you know Bitcoin talk, I used to. Uh, I wanted to, uh, you know, try and acquire some bitcoins, and you know, since I was trying it as a hobby, I got hand, you know, I got some uh, coins in my hand, and then tried to trade it in one of those earliest exchanges, which some of them are no longer there right now. And uh, you know, so it, it's really fascinating because it's a it's the first time that you could have a peer to peer transaction settlement without any intermediary. So even at that time, there were several people trying to, uh, you know, take that peer-to-peer system forward because I still remember the 44 gigahash mining machine I tried to acquire for testing out the mining. Um, you know, the transaction had to be made in Bitcoin and uh, you basically had to have an, have an intermediary to, it's like, it works like an escrow service, right? Someone who is trusted by both, both parties. And uh, he uh, he just acted as a middleman, and I sent the uh, Bitcoin to him, and the other guy shipped that uh, mining machine to me, and and the whole process was again uh, uh, cumbersome. So uh, even at that time, there was a spark in my head where you know the the system, even though it is a peer to peer internet cash, uh, it the exchange of the uh, whole the exchange process was really uh, difficult. Uh, so I think not so, uh, you know, f- uh, you know, before uh, too much of uh, uh, time, I think, uh, you know, you, you could have, you could see people trying to come uh, solve this problem. 
And that's when I came across, uh, you know, one of the earliest, uh, you know, DEXs uh, that's next was one of them and BitShares was one of them. And uh, I was really interested in BitShares. I still, uh, you know, remember reading the, you know, posts set up by uh, Dan Larimer in, in, in Bitcoin Talk. So I used to follow that very keenly. And when they, uh, you know, when, when the whole system launched and, uh, you know, so, but since I was also primarily engaged in other businesses, I was simply watching from, you know, watching and trying to figure out, you know, how, how, how this space is growing. And in 2016 is when I, um, you know, I thought of uh, getting into that space because BitShares was a great uh, platform that could actually allow you to create that experience of peer-to-peer, uh, you know, one-to-one settlement layer against different tokens. So you could uh, basically build a uh, decentralized exchange on BitShares back then. And it there, there were several people who tried it. And um, I think, unfortunately, I think uh, um, due to a variety of reasons down from the application of governance and the regulatory pressure on many of the uh, you know, exchanges built on top of that, they couldn't uh, really scale or reach the potential which they promised in the beginning. Um, so that's what actually uh, prompted me to think about why it's not becoming mainstream because it's a great technology. You have the uh, peer-to-peer settlement layer of Bitcoin and uh, the the blockchain. Uh, but you simply do not have the technology to allow, uh, you know, two different assets to be exchanged in a trustless manner. And, uh, you know, uh, BitShares had this great idea of, you know, collateralized uh, assets, uh, where you could collateralize BitShares for an equivalent uh, value of assets. And you basically could, uh, you know, create any any asset in the world using these kind of smart contracts. So that's also the, about you know the same time when uh, when Ethereum uh, rose to the scene and uh, completely changed the way you could create smart contracts and uh, uh, create your own tokens and create your own you know ideas and 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 raise money. So I think uh, it just got completely blown away by the ICO uh, hype in 2017 due to which I think nothing much could be done. I mean, no, I, I don't think industry could do much except the fact that you know, a lot of cleanup, cleanup had to be done at that time. I, I believe, you know, from the investor's perspective and also from the, uh, you know, industry perspective, that was a time when, you know, you, you, you really understood the difficulty of scaling and uh, you first came across the fact that uh, it, even though these technologies are uh, really fascinating, it does not have the underlying infrastructure to scale. Uh, and mm, that's also about the time I fiddled around uh, trying to create something in BitShares and I, I tried to see if we could, uh, you know, um, change the way the interface behaved uh, because uh, BitShares had a three second settlement time uh, those days. And uh, I used to, uh, you know, trade there just for uh, as a hobby, just to see how, 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 how it worked. And, uh, you know, so... I felt it, it's the problems Texas had, uh, even from those days of three second block time, it was the uh, novelty around it and the uh, lack of liquidity and uh, general uh, aversion to people who do not want to have a, 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 an interface that will not allow them to make profits, right? End of the day, uh, you know, 
uh, people are motivated by some sort of real use case. So uh, I think it had a real, uh, it had great potential, but uh, the reasons why it failed. So th those are things which I, you know, I used to uh, think about, uh, you know, how and why we could solve these problems. And that's also about the same time, you know, I, I also uh, was very much in touch with the, um, you know, several startups and in the, in the you know, crypto space in India. And, uh, you know, through a common friend of mine, uh, you know, we, we met Gautam and Dipanch, you know, they, they were working on a consensus algorithm, a very interesting consensus algorithm. And it was uh, based on vector clocks. So uh, even before that, I used to uh, think about various, uh, not really in the sense that of, of a real uh, invested R&D, but uh, I put a lot of uh, effort into studying how the scaling issue uh, could be because many people were working on the layer two solutions, the light network, uh, and, and I just follow Andreas uh, Antonopoulos very closely. I'm a big fan. So, uh, and, and, and the fact that, uh, you know, many people are working was so fascinating. So, so this particular algorithm uh, was uh, based on vector clocks. So it, it, it's a scalable uh, algorithm and it can basically increase the throughput to uh, several times. So I think uh, similar algorithms are, uh, you know, have been tried everywhere, but this was something unique in the sense that it is uh, a little bit more, uh, it, it's a totally different way to approach the problem um, away from the, you know, the core blockchain uh, architecture. So that's when um, we started uh, regularly interacting and Gautam and Dipanj, you know, they were, you know, working on that. So it, it, it reached a point where, you know, we had to apply it on an application layer, which could uh, demonstrate the uh, scalability of uh, the network. Uh, you know, so that's when, you know, I, I uh, told Gautam, hey man, I tried it with BitShares, but it's just not working. You need to help me. And uh, that's uh, uh, something that we could, you know, uh, make work, you know, the same algorithm could uh, help make, a, uh, you know, the problems with Texas um, so much better because uh, it's, it's not really scalable. It also helps you to have uh, uh, transaction speed and many others, you know, many other, you could have a very modular interface. So uh, many of the issues which which uh, has faced could be solved uh, if you had a separate consensus algorithm uh, away from the main uh, interface part of the order book, uh, which could be a bit more plug and play sort of thing. That's when Gautam, uh, you know, introduced me to uh, Polkadot because Polkadot was fairly new and Substrate was also fairly new. And, uh, you know, that's about the time when we started working together and, uh, you know, after going through Substrate, we felt it was a perfect platform to build um, such a product because it had everything that we uh, need. I mean, everything that we, we were looking for because it's very composable. Uh, it had a, a separate runtime uh, off-chain workers. Uh, the concept of, uh, of designing a blockchain was very much possible because all these years, like people were applying their, uh, you know, ideas on top of general purpose blockchains. So here we had an opportunity to create a blockchain out of scratch and decide what are the areas that could be 
under the consensus algorithm and what were the areas that could be taken out of it. And we could uh, basically uh, custom build a blockchain or custom build a DeFi application uh, with the way you want it, right? So uh, uh, going by the first principles, like what are we going to address it? So we're going to address the uh, problems with Texas, which fairly is very straightforward, interface, liquidity, speed, and finally, something which many people don't understand is the latency, right? So latency is very interesting because uh, it's something which uh, it is required for a platform like a trading platform to be really responsive. So if you want a trading bot or if you want a market maker, if you want any sort of uh, bots to interact with your platform, latency has to be really low. So it's not just a matter of solving the throughput. It also had to be a problem of, uh, you know, the latency. So I think that's, that's how the whole thing came together. And we wanted to create a DEX, which not only solves the problem with the interface, but also solves the problem where participation is lacking in the other DEXs because of this latency problem, where the bots and the institutionalized market makers, institutionalized trading bots, people who are coming for a big profit, you know, those people, I mean, they, they are, uh, uh, as long as we keep them out, DEXs can never be mainstream. I think it, it, it has reached a time where uh, a lot more needs to be done on the uh, protocol layer of things rather than just fancy ideas on top of blockchain. So I think Polkadot and Web3 is doing a great job and they have done a, uh, you know, uh, they, they've got out a big, great vision in uh, rolling out a product like this, uh, rolling out a platform like this. And uh, the framework is perfect for someone who's trying to solve certain, uh, you know, uh, fundamental problems uh, in, in many of the applications that they're trying to build, especially in the DeFi space. So yes, that's how uh, we, we, we came together and started working on this. Great, thanks. That's a really good intro and sets us up quite nicely um, to kind of move into the, the, the next part of, of, of maybe going a little bit deeper. You, so you alluded to some of the challenges within DEXs generally. Um, and I know you've got some novel, novel approaches, but I think let's just, let's just stay at, at trying to kind of understand some of the, some of the challenges um, at the moment within these DEXs. So things like price slippage, impermanent loss, front running, and just general feasibility of certain trades for certain types of trader, right? Um, so could you, could you talk us through some of that in a little bit more detail? And then, and then I think we, it'd be good to, to go into discussing, you know, some of your innovations about how you begin to solve for them. Uh, right. I think uh, most of the problems around those list of things um, you mentioned, Jamie, I think is most has to do with the way the, uh, you know, Ethereum, uh, I mean, the basic, you know, network functions, right? Basically, it's a matter of scalability. Uh, it's like a real estate, right? Everybody's competing for the real estate. So solving a problem like front running, it's, uh, you know, it's not going to be possible if we clearly look at just reducing the fees or anything anything of that sort you know so you you maybe need to shift that idea outside it and you know bring it back to the blockchain for trust because essentially what we are trying to create here we are trying to create uh trust 
uh, among the participants uh, in the transaction. So, uh, you know, so these problems originate from the fact that uh, blockchains are inherently uh, not very scalable, uh, you know, and there are certain parameters which are uh, mutually exclusive. Like, for example, if you want to have more security, it's better to have, uh, you know, uh, slow confirmation times and all of that. So the more you focus on scalability, you have to compromise on many other things. That's the same thing with, you know, uh, the smart contracts and the uh, programmability, you know, layer and on a blockchain. Uh, you, the more programmable, the more complex it is, the more, you know, attack vectors you open up. So I think, uh, uh, so coming back to the problems, I, uh, we have uh, tried to really uh, address uh, right from the start, uh, the problem with front running and the gas fees. So right now, I think Ethereum Texas are, uh, most of them are going off chain because it's simply not um, sustainable anymore. Uh, and the fact that uh, most of these DeFi applications are built on Ethereum is uh, becoming um, more and more, uh, you know, uh, like a bottleneck where you, you have exciting ideas, but uh, since the infrastructure is not ready, uh, it's simply not uh, working out. It's simply like, you know, trying to create a Facebook app in 90s. Imagine if you try to create a Facebook app in the 90s, it just wouldn't work. So I think the more work needs to be done on the protocol layer or the network layer of things where uh, the the uh, basic uh, problems needs to be solved. So that's the reason uh, why, you know, uh, uh, Polkadot, for example, is coming up with uh, a larger vision of chain of chains where you could offload many of the um, you know uh, functions in a blockchain or many of the core properties of a blockchain uh, you separate that out and uh, you know polkadot being a relay chain is able to take over the security of the other chains and uh, and uh, you know help the other uh, you know other uh, chains to focus on what they're really building or, or on their complex programs so uh, that's that's a uh, you know scalable architecture if you look at it, but it also depends on how fast you can spin spin uh, you know another blockchain and uh, you know how how fast you can actually spin out uh, something like a trust based uh, network out of a uh, you know so so this, how fast you can do it it's again a question but still um, the uh, uh, when we started working on Polkadex, we looked at it from a, a two, two angle. First is the interface of the customer. So interface has to be uh, similar to a centralized exchange means that you, you need to have subsequent response on the interface, right? So subsequent response on interface is not really possible with a blockchain because you need confirmation. So that's where we came up. We were continuously working on uh, refactoring the you know, trading engine uh, for on substrate because uh, the initial idea was to see how much you can stretch the blockchain, how much you can stretch the uh, algorithm and how what was the throughput we could obtain, right? So that was the main objective with our first version of testnet. And uh, the more we tried, it got better and better and the maximum we could achieve was 500, around 500 transit TPS because there's a lot of execution that needs to be done for comparing the trade and settling it. And just for context, how does that compare? And I appreciate this is just testnet, but how does that compare to a centralized exchange? Uh, yeah, so uh, you, you basically need to know how much of load the blockchain can handle, right? You need to benchmark the blockchain. You really need to know how many executions it can handle because end of the day, uh, you need to know, uh, you know, 
how many trades it can handle, how many trade settlements it can handle. And also the fact that, you know, you, you may have people placing trades and canceling it. So it needs to be accounted for. So, uh, you know, so th th that, that's why it's very important to have first understand because it's the first time that Substrate has been tested. It's not like, uh, you know, the, yeah. it's a very fairly new platform. So nobody had written a trading engine on top of Substrate. And so that's why it was very important for us to build a engine and try and test it out and see the throughput and see how, uh, and how we did that is very simple. We simulated the trades coming in from a centralized exchange and, uh, you know, tried to figure out how much it could handle. And though initially the response, I mean, it was really, really positive, but more you load it, the more, uh, you know, transactions you load, uh, the lesser and lesser the performance became. And that's when it, you know, came very clear that uh, we need to have some sort of a mechanism to, uh, you know, execute the uh, transactions off chain and try and come up with something uh, of a uh, off chain but verifiable sort of a solution. So it's kind of like a hybrid, uh, a hybrid approach of a centralized exchange with an order book and with the benefits of uh, decentralization and security. Exactly, like like the best of both worlds, right? You you need uh, uh, you need a faster interface at the same time you need verifiability for uh, you know uh, final confirmation on the blockchain so that's what we have been working on for the last uh, you know couple of months uh, even after the uh, initial version was mostly for benchmarking but uh, the team has been working hard on the on the layer 2 uh, for the last 2 months that's how we came up with the new new idea of uh, you know uh, settling transactions uh, on chain using a a combination of, um, you know, uh, state channels and comment chains, and and and, and it's basically a, a snapshot that's been passed on to the blockchain every 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 block. So right. that's how we we have brought verifiability. And coming back to the fearless transactions, right? You asked about that. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So fearless transaction is very uh, fascinating. It's something which uh, uh, which can probably only possible with the way substrate is, you know, substrate and the Polkadot system is designed, right? See, uh, because of the fact that you could have the security of the blockchain taken over by a parent chain or taken over by a relay chain, you can afford to have, uh, you know, a, a fearless transaction yet keep the blockchain secure. So it's very uh, inherent to uh, substrate's uh, governance system. And that's something of an idea Gautam came up with, and it is, uh, it's a brilliant idea. And I think uh, we are probably the first one to uh, implement fearless transactions. There are so many, uh, it's a double-edged sword, right? You know, you have fearless means you you also are uh, is prone to attack, but we are working out a few things to make it expensive in a different way, rather than by raising the, you know, uh, like a, a gas fee sort of thing, but we approach it in a different way, uh, which would be more, more uh, you know, uh, detailed explanation will be in the white paper. So yes, yes I think we're going to be the first one with, uh, you know, fearless transactions. And so the, like the consequence to this kind of, um, these design choices or you know, the removal of some of the limitations uh, that come with Ethereum in DeFi is that almost a byproduct is that you remove some of the risk associated with say impermanent loss but you also remove some of the asymmetry between participation uh, participants in the decks right so um 
could you just talk us through the kind of front running component? And I know that you, you've developed a machine learning capability that allows the network to react real time to remove the incentive, the economic incentive for malicious activity like front running, right? Uh, right. So basically that was the, you know, uh, the, the initial idea, but I think we pivoted, pivoted and made it more easier, more simpler. And uh, how we have done it, you know, basically, you know how front running works, right? Because you basically have a bunch of transactions waiting to be confirmed. And, uh, you know, someone can just sneak in a transaction with the higher fees and he can just uh, read the uh, pool and you can he can insert the transaction ahead of the others. So he knows that, okay, transaction is coming and he can acquire that trade. So that's basically front running. So the fact that, you know, Polkadex don't have uh, fees, gas fees, right? it just doesn't work. So every order, every transaction is executed in the order, like a, a first in first out, right? So you cannot bypass the queue. So it, it, it's a it's a something which is already available in Substrate. So once we implement that, it is not possible to, uh, you know, uh, jump the queue by paying high gas fees. And it's regarding the DDoS uh, scenario that we, uh, we're really trying to engineer something which would detect and protect the network. That was the initial plan. Right, uh, but attack. I think we, yeah, right. So so we try to solve that in a little bit more simpler way by making it prohibitive for someone to, uh, you know, uh, create a trading pass and, uh, you know, swap uh, randomly and, and, and uh, clock or, uh, you know, uh, DDoS the uh, blockchain. So uh, that design is also possible now that we have the layer two finalized because I mentioned about layer two, right? We, 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 we were working on a layer two solution for the last two months. And because the order book is now separated and we only have to deal with the, uh, you know, the uh, gas fees connected with the AMM pool side of uh, the exchange, uh, we necessarily do not have to apply any other uh, complex algorithms to prevent that because we can always have a, a, a governance system and also a, a separate uh, a pooling system to make sure that uh, nobody tries to abuse the network by creating random tokens and uh, that there are so many other ways to solve that. So that's something which we were able to achieve. Understood. And obviously that's very beneficial for the little guy um, to be able to kind of play, you know, on equal terms, right, with um, some of the larger, more sophisticated participants. Absolutely, absolutely. That is a, that is the main aim of uh, you know uh, the Polkadex AMM pool because uh, it will be solving all of the uh, the present issues that we face with the uh, uh, you know uh, Uniswap protocol, where you have very high gas fees, you uh, still are able to. Uh, read transactions and front run the transactions and you know all of that is eliminated you don't have zero gas fees uh, you don't pay anything you just uh, pay the basic take a fee and complete the swap so yeah i mean i i know people who pay like 100 100 bucks 200 bucks for a swap so yeah right. it's 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 insane right now so that's really interesting so what's going to be possible on it in like now in the near term and you know what are your plans uh, to add kind of increased features and functionality over the next 12 months? Uh, well, that's a, a you know, good question. 
the fact that we have uh, solved the uh, you know the the uh, on-chain settlement problem uh, using a layer two solution, and now I think the system is capable of handling the load, which is uh, quite okay to support whatever is required for a margin or lending or even derivatives uh, can be put on top of it. So I think um, at, at the launch, we will definitely be going ahead and try and uh, put at least uh, a marginal lending platform on top of the exchange at the launch, because it's not very complicated now, right? Because since uh, it's it's a secured off-chain and it can scale, so it's, it's just a matter of adding the features. So you can expect that one of these will be launched together and very soon uh, this year, we will be launching the derivatives market as well. Okay, great. And you mentioned earlier um, a governance component um, as part of the, I guess, security model. Um, how do you stop, or do you even want to stop a lot of the things that happened with food protocols over on Ethereum in the summer of 2020, where liquidity was just, you know, uh, DEXs were being forked, liquidity was jumping around wherever offered the most, you know, the highest yield. Is that something you're looking to limit or, uh, you know, if not, how do you, know, how do you, you grow market share in that environment? Yeah, right. So since uh, uh, Polkadex itself is a very, uh, you know, application specific blockchain, uh, it, it, it can really focus on what it needs to do best, right? Uh, so the fact that it uh, can accommodate uh, the liquidity providers and keep rewarding them constantly uh, from the growth uh, it, it, uh, it's able to sustain. Uh, we have also developed a perpetual liquidity mining program, uh, which will be able to reward the liquidity providers on a perpetual uh, way from the uh, profits that are generated. Uh, because the you know, it's a completely decentralized uh, protocol that we are building on AMM pool uh, because uh, it's completely run by governance and uh, uh, governance, governance is also funded the treasury is also funded continuously by the uh, swaps and trades happening uh, so you have uh, governance as a very strong way to control uh, any sort of uh, mishaps on the network in terms of uh, you know people who want to uh, you know, abuse the network or people who want to, uh, uh, you know, uh, create uh, problems or even uh, create tokens uh, and uh, try and DDoS or any sort of activity and try and fork the network. Uh, you know, basically, I think, uh, uh, you know, governance plays a huge role in making sure that the tokens are uh, distributed fairly. And the fact that it is, a, you know, revenue generating product sitting on top of the blockchain I think it's fairly easy to incentivize people who are participating in it. So that's a good way to, it's not a, it's not a simple platform to, for people. It has a revenue making product, right? So the cash flow is still there, which can yes. be used by the treasury to uh, keep rewarding uh, and, and, you know, sustaining that for a long. Yeah. So the sustainable yield. Um, and then could you just tell us a little bit about how the governance works and how you design for governance attacks? Uh, yeah, so I think the specifics the specifics of that is, uh, you know, currently I think it's part of the white paper. I would just uh, reserve my comments on that. But still, you know, you can rest assured that it is a completely decentralized thing, you know. So it, it's uh, run by the community and you basically have a certain set of votes. And you right now I think certain algorithms are being tried to make sure that if there is less participation, how the voting should go. 
you know, how many yeses will be a no and, you know, those kind of things, right? I mean, that has been designed. I mean, so, but it will be a completely, uh, you know, uh, community-driven uh, method for the for the MM pool. Understood. Vivek, it's been great having you on the show. As I said, we're really proud to add you to the portfolio and, uh, again, to have our kind of second Indian startup uh, come on. I, I would have loved to have had time to talk to you about what's going on in the ecosystem there. As I said, I'm seeing um, increased volume of startups coming out of there now within DeFi, crypto, and even NFTs. Um, sadly, we just don't have time. But um, could you tell people, I guess, key events that are going on right now and um, how they can get in touch or follow what the, the progress that's happening? Absolutely. So uh, thanks, Jamie. So uh, uh, we have our uh, ERC20 uh, token launch hap happening this uh, this month, end of the month. And we also have the mainnet launch uh, with the product itself, uh, you know, ready, getting ready on in May this year. Uh, so active security audit is going to happen starting from March, uh, which will uh, positively help us to, you know, deliver the product by the end of quarter two. So yeah, I mean, so it's an exciting time for us. Uh, the the ERC twenty token launch is uh, shaping up. I think, uh, yeah, it's, uh, hopefully everything will go fine, and we we expect uh, everybody to support us. And thank you very much, Jamie. Yeah, well, I know there's a lot of interest in you guys um, as a consequence of you know being a, a key part of the Polkadot ecosystem. I know the Web three Foundation, I think, uh, invested in you as well, gave you a grant. Um, so I know there's a lot of uh, hope and expectation that you're going to um, be a, a big driver for Polkadot in the DeFi context. So looking forward to watching your progress, Vivek. And um, I definitely recommend people kind of follow you on Twitter and stuff. What's your Twitter handle again? Uh, Twitter is uh, Vivek Prasannan. That's it. Perfect. Okay, thanks for coming to the show. Good luck. Thanks for having me, Jamie. Pleasure coming here. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please make sure you subscribe, rate, and share your feedback to help us reach as many people as possible with the important mission of Web3.